You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. You got that penguin sex mug? I do. I didn't realize what mug I grabbed today. So when that came out of your mouth, I had a moment of like deep fear. Because <laughs> I cleared my throat and you said penguin sex. And I thought, is that what I sound like? <laughs> it's genuinely what went through my head. <laughs> I wonder if penguins do make a noise when they have sex. <laughs> <laughs> Dolphins? What does penguins sound like? I don't know. Maybe they're cold. It's just like. (laughs) (laughs) That's a penguin sex. (laughs) Hi, I'm Beth. (laughs) And I'm Andrew. (laughs) And And we're we're your your art art friends. friends. Let's play. (laughs) We had a serious episode last episode, so we got to play today. But first, what are you doing? We always open up the episode with a little ketchup time. Ketchup and mustard? That's your color and mine. Yep. <laughs> Although I, it needs to be pinker for it to be my color. What would I add to make it pinker? You think blueberries would be a good addition? A g- you know, I try it. Tomatoes and blueberries? Yeah. They're like kind of close, right? You know, in Korea, they slice up tomatoes. Maybe some people in America do this too, but I haven't heard of it. They slice up tomatoes into little slices and they sprinkle a little bit of sugar on top. Have mm. a little bite. I tried it once. I'm not a huge tomato fan, but if yeah. I like tomatoes, I think it would be good. I've done that with salt before, but not sugar. Right, right. That's the thing that makes it unusual. Uh, but a little, a little sugar tomatoes and some blueberries blended up into a drink. I'd try it. Yeah. I'm going to write that down for a future episode. <laughs> Don't worry Spoiler about alert. it, guys. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, uh, I'm... It's just, I'm at this super exciting phase where I am finally in the single digits for illustrations that I need to finish for the mysterious big job. How, can you give me context for how many digits this thing started at? It started at 54 or 56 illustrations. They're square seven by seven. So, woo! That's not small. It's small to me because... I usually work 24 by 48 when I do my own personal work. Well, in that case, if that's the case, then maybe you can whip them out pretty quick. But yeah, 50, roughly 55 illustrations down to you only have less than 10 to do. Yep. My guy. And a couple of them are real simple, so I'm very excited. Um, And I can reuse, like, assets that I've done for different cards, which... Always makes me so happy when I'm when I notice something that I can take background elements from another illustration and hide it as background in in a, another one. What are you gonna do when you're all done? I am going to treat myself to a really nice meal. I also might finally open up that 
bottle of uh, champagne that Gressel sent you and I. Oh, was it uh, to celebrate New Year's I think it was holiday champagne, right? gift? It was uh, when we first started the podcast on launch day. He sent us the bottle of wine. Is it the sex wine? Yeah. <laughs> Guys, our producer, our podcast daddy sent us both two bottles of wine, one to Andrew, one to me, that the brand is sex something. Yeah. And I can't it's, remember it because I drank it immediately. Just the name of it is called sex. I have not drank mine yet because I haven't had like a nice moment to like celebrate. And I also don't want to drink it by myself because that just seems yeah. sad. <laughs> <laughs> sex wine is to be enjoyed with another person indeed. Yes. Russell sends us a bottle of wine and I get you and him friendship bracelets. And I remember being like, ah, oh, God damn it. Like he one upped me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then that just means that this year we got to come up with something a little punchier to yeah. surprise him with. Can we get him a world's best dad mug? <laughs> we can. <laughs> we can do that. Should it, have, should it say parentheses underneath, like, world's best? It should say podcast, dad. All right. You and I have a magic power, and it's to draw things. And yes. it's pretty easy to get your artwork on a mug. So mm -hmm. I think instead of getting him one of those generic world's best dad mugs, we put our heads together to figure out what he would love-hate. <laughs> should it be his own face... Drinking a bottle of sex wine by himself? Should it be him uh, maybe surrounded by a charcuterie board of different foods? Perhaps he himself is like the roasted pig on the spit with the little apple in his mouth? Can we mock him up as Fabio with his long hair? Just like. Oh, can, and they're like long nipples. Yeah. I want him to love this mug and also not be able to drink from it around other people. <laughs> I the other oh my god, Gressel has a day job. He has yes. a pretty pedantic day job where he is required to be on Zoom meetings constantly. And the goal of you and me, his scamp mm -hmm. children, would be to create a mug that he incidentally is drinking from during a Zoom meeting that causes him to be fired. <laughs> That's how we save him from his boring job. That actually... <laughs> I've been low-key having conversations state. with him. Yeah, I've been low-key having conversations with him about maybe uh, uh, chasing his bliss a little bit more than he does. And yeah. this might be the, the push that he needs. So, Gressel, you're not listening to this, but be warned. Yeah. Something's coming. Oh, my God. So, last week, we did only work, and we set goals and, you know, did a lot of reflecting on our five bosses, but we didn't play very much. Mm -mm. So this week we're uh, focusing on the, the phrase all artwork and no art play makes us art depressed. And we don't want to be art depressed. We're so sad. We're so sad. We haven't had a giggle <laughs> on our show. But yeah, we wanted to mix it up and it's really important to do that um, in, in your own creative outlets to, you know, mix things up, have fun, play a little bit. So we thought we would play a game this this episode. But first, <gasps> another game. Andrew, would you rather record this podcast right now? Yes. Or be playing Outer Wilds, which you started with your husband two days ago, 
And you can't stop thinking about it because it's got the open world exploratory energy of Breath of the Wild mixed with a very engaging mystery and the music is so good and like the controls aren't super great but once you get used to it it becomes like second nature and you just your hands morph to the controller and I just want to move through space and the way that you do in Outer Wilds and if I could have anything that I wanted right now it would be to just like sit bundled up on the couch with the controller in my hand and I would just be playing through this video game and exploring. It sounds like you're projecting a little bit. (laughs) I also get the sense that you don't want to be here. (laughs) Both things are true. Would be subtle, Beth. (laughs) I just, have you ever, have you ever started a video game and then the video game was like, come, come into me. Come be in me, please. (laughs) Sounds like a very seductive game. (laughs) Are we playing the first uh, God of War? (laughs) Is the first God of War seductive, bitch? I played that game. That's just funny men in a hallway. No, but you have like sex with like a group of women, I feel like, in the first 20 minutes of that game. Fair, I suppose. But you see... Sex first, then fighting. (laughs) I don't know what to say. (laughs) You stumped me. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Uh, I'm trying to think of a game that I've been like sucked into. Yeah, what was the last one fashion? that just like, like, like oh, moths to a flame? You died. I don't know if I've ever had that with a video game. Really? I can't think of a Magic game. Magic hits those endorphins too hard for a video game to even rival, huh? Yeah, like, when it comes to video games, my favorite franchise is Ratchet and Clank. And I can't Mm -hmm. think of a Ratchet and Clank game that I have gotten sucked into to the level that you've just described. You've never stayed up until six in the morning farming Korok seeds in Breath of the Wild? (laughs) No. I, I do remember in high school, I think when... The third Ratchet and Clank game came out. My friends and I got pretty hooked on it, but that was because there was a multiplayer aspect to it. So we could play four people and you would do like Battle Royale on like a huge map. So kind of like cartoony Halo, basically. And you could run around and, you know, get in vehicles and run over each other and just do silly things. And you ate, slept, breathed, thought about constantly that game? And nothing else? No. Because you would want to, like, pull your skin off to not be in that world? I can't say I've ever wanted to pull my skin off to... <laughs> hmm. How unusual of you. <laughs> what an unusual thing that is your experience. That, that doesn't sound like a uh, relaxing video game experience to me. <laughs> The relaxing is when you get the hit, my dude. The uh, relaxation comes from being in the world. Okay. And all times that you are without the world mm. is is the itchy bad time. Okay. Okay. It's an addiction, my guy. <laughs> and I'm in the I'm in the uh Twitter pated early day thrall of it. Yeah. That sounds fun. I I cannot relate. It's the juicy, tasty stuff. People are like, Beth, what's your hobby? And I'm like, video games. And they're like, all right, I'm going to go to someplace else at the party. And I'm like, okay, now I know who my friends are. The cake is a lie. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) go. 
So to answer your question about would you rather, I think I would pick this podcast and, you know, record. Well, good, because one of us needs to push through. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. <laughs> so, topic of the day and the game we're about to play is what would we do if we knew we couldn't fail? I love this question. It is a great question. And God, it's so fun to think about. I would draw feet. Free-handed. Free. I wouldn't even look at a reference and I'd draw feet so good. Upside down. Upside down feet, right side up feet. Wait, am I upside down drawing the feet? No, you're drawing the feet upside down. Like the paper is upside down, but you're drawing feet. Left-handed foot drawing. I'm a righty. I'm a righty tighty. With your foot. (gasps) Left-footed foot drawing. (laughs) TikTok fame. Get get at me. (laughs) I did. Guys, I don't know how this has happened. I am hovering around foot talk. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what I engaged in. But I had this lovely black woman. I think TikTok show is up just on my telling you, you something about your your preferences that you, you know, maybe are afraid to admit. I'm not. I'm not a foot girl. I like them fine. But not any particularly more. I, I do. Hmm. No. No, I can easily answer that one. I like feet the same I like other things on the body. I know some people who do not like feet. They're like, mm-hmm. yes, give me elbow, give me titty, give me neck, no feet. I'm like, you know, elbow, titty, neck, foot, all the same. <laughs> that does not make me a foot guy. But TikTok thinks maybe I am. And this lovely black woman came up on my For You page and she was like, hey, I know you're thinking about making foot content for people. And I was like, am I? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, you got to know, there's a lot of niche communities within the foot community. And so you got, you got thick feet, you got flat feet, got high arches, you got wide feet, skinny feet. What about toenails? What's your nails doing? All glamorous, a little bit chunky, hobbit feet, got some crust on there. And I was like, thank you, ma'am. Swipe up, please. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll see. We'll see what else is going to come up on my for you page. But uh, I would, I would draw them good. Yeah. If I could. Maybe that's what your next illustration needs to have is a big horny boy with uh, feet front and center. (laughs) (laughs) I I think you might be right. (laughs) If I couldn't fail, I would blend in my illustrations. I can't Blend? blend. I can't blend. I can't. I can't do it. Don't ask me to make a perfectly rendered portrait of somebody. It's not going to happen. It's going to take me 25 hours. I but didn't if you know let that me, about you. If you let me do my little cell shading <laughs> bullshit, it's going to take me like two hours. But what about, hey, but when you put the cells next to each other and then you soften the line. It doesn't work for me that way. Oh. I'm so bad. That would be what I would do if I couldn't fail. I would blend shit. Wow. What if I bought you a Vitamix? Would that help? Great <laughs> Vitamix. You could put all your paintings in there. Yeah, exactly. That's the way to work That's around That's how it. you Just blend. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. If you have trouble blending when you're rendering, just throw all your stuff in a Vitamix. Do you ever think that maybe your styles don't mix? Well, 
Throw both your styles into Vitamix. What would the art Vitamix be called? My hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Blending digital and traditional styles. The thing that I would do if I couldn't fail would be to do that more spontaneously. So I wouldn't have to complete a digital illustration completely and then print it off and transfer it to a wood panel and play the most insane game of paint by numbers of my life. I would be able to get a rough sketch and then just start painting it and take it Ooh. to final. Yeah, let go of that control. You gotta let Which that is hard. come through. It's Ooh. so hard. Sensible you Andrew. Open, you gotta Sensible open yourself Andrew up to just risk. has too much control. Isn't it fun to think about your life with those bosses? I've started in the last mm-hmm. week kind of assessing stuff in my life to be like, oh, yeah, Sensible Beth feels this way about that. I've Yeah, I've been thinking about that the same. I also kind of imagine like little like versions of like those characters on my shoulders talking to me. Mm-hmm. Kind of... Um, Crunk and Emperor's New Groove style. Aw. You're are you a himbo? Minus the muscles. You probably got them in your thighs. <laughs> Everybody's got secret thigh muscles. Everybody's got himbo thighs, I think. I've all, okay, that's because I'm I'm impressed by the strength of my thighs. I don't know if that's the you thing too, but like get me in a gym, make me do stuff that requires my thighs to do the lifting, and I'm like Damn. See, first off, I got to be in a gym. All right. Well, if you couldn't fail, would you go to the gym? (laughs) (laughs) No, because why would I need to go to the gym if I couldn't fail? I just fucking lift shit. (laughs) The gym isn't (laughs) (laughs) mission accomplished. Preventary measures against failure. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) If I couldn't fail, I would be strong. Yeah, I would just, I would just be like Cadence, who's just ripped naturally. What's up with that? Why do some, why do some pets just come out muscle? My, my sister-in-law, her cat is a beefcake. Yeah. And it's always been a beefcake. I, that cat refuses to have its nails clipped. And I was mm-hmm. like, I can best this cat. I can clip its nails. No worries. And so I got the cat. And I put a blanket over top of the cat, and I, uh, I, I straddled the cat under the blanket. And do Sounds you know? Like you're snuffing out this cat. Do you know what that cat did to me? Overpowered you. It bucked me off of it. What the fuck? I got bucked How did off cat of a do cat. That? I don't know. It was born muscles. Damn. That cat's stronger than me. Also, its name is Dexter. That's terrifying. <laughs> could go one of two ways either it has a lab or it's gonna murder people yeah and this one's a murder people cat a hundred percent you know what i bet dexter in the show i bet he you know really lives by that mantra of what would he do if he couldn't fail i bet that's true too man uh from and that's my review a woman who has not watched even one episode of dexter but thinks the intro is creative Milady, I tip my hat. <laughs> I didn't know you didn't watch it. 
I don't, I don't watch like anything, my guy. I'm it's so sorry that I am not the pop culture reference um, library that every entertainer is. And it makes me feel like I'm a dumb baby. But I have other things to offer. I can do this. Wow, that's impressive. Thanks. That's In an really audio cool. medium, um, there's strengths there. There's strengths yeah. to those How would you use skills. that if you couldn't fail? Uh, music. I would become a musician. <laughs> would you? <laughs> musician. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> the next time you meet a musician i want you to be like oh a musician cool oh, finally i have met a musician <laughs> i have always wanted to meet one i've never known i've just, never known one in my life a musician <laughs> i just imagine you making an entire song out of like <laughs> me, me too i am also a musician <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. god that low key though i think i would i don't know that you know mm-hmm. but i did it a lot i did the music a lot i was um yeah uh i love singing i took voice oh. lessons for years i won an award in high school i won the musical theater and and choir award i uh, I don't talk about it because it's like a weird thing to talk about. But our high school had a senior night mm-hmm. where all of the seniors came into the auditorium and we had like a, basically an award ceremony for accolades. Mm-hmm. And I won badge medals to put on like my varsity jacket for like the gold in in choir, the gold in art and the gold in theater performance. Damn. In three separate there was like, Cleaning and up. then the other one was band and orchestra, and I I had quit orchestra because of a schedule conflict with choir. So you would have um, won, is what you're saying? I was first chair cellist. Like, damn, yeah, this is my my vibe. Capital A artists, my whole thing. A lot of people thought that I was going to go on to be either a a concert cellist or um, audition in Broadway and do like theater stuff. Like performing is in my blood. Yeah. Um. And I have always sort of quietly been like, could I do music? Do I want to do music? But I'm better at art. Mm -hmm. And it's also less vulnerable to hide behind a painting. You know what I mean? Yeah. So is that something Uh, that you would do if you knew you couldn't fail? Yes. Yes, it is. You ever sung for somebody and they were like, wow, you're a really good singer. No, I have not because I'm a bad singer. Oh, well... But it sounds lovely. <laughs> Feels good to hear. Yeah, I think if I couldn't fail, I would get into singing. Mm-hmm. I would do voice acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what I would read audiobooks. What, like TV show? Yeah. You'd do some Pokemon. Would you do be Ash Ketchum? 100%. I would love to do Ash Ketchum. Okay. My Ash Ketchum's a little more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just like, you're, you're teenage Ash Ketchum. Okay. I've low-key been thinking about taking voice lessons. For, like, uh, uh, VO stuff. Yeah. Because I've got the nice microphone. Listen to the clarity. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so it's good. like you're in the room. But, yeah, I think I would do those kinds of performance things. Um, I've also given up on being an actor. Until I'm old, I'm going to <laughs> okay. be a grandma actress. There are not a lot of grandma okay. actresses out there, and we all love them. 
And I've got a good grandma face, Bruin. Right now, she's fine. Right now, nice young woman face. But I can see the lines start to form. And I know that once I hit that like 52, 57, 65 Mm -hmm. range, she's going to be like a well-baked bread. (laughs) Get me in front of a camera. Let me do my thing. Cover up my tattoos. And we're off to the races. Great grandma actress. One of my favorite things about you, Beth, is that you will start sentences that I think I know where they're going. And then you surprise me with delightful segues. (laughs) It's great. I was not expecting you to compare somebody's face to fresh baked bread. (laughs) It's got all the craggles, but it smells nice. I understand exactly what you mean, but I was not (laughs) expecting bread. (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel like I would be a good old person. Dude, let's be old people. Let's be like old married couple. Okay, you and I, when we're old, let's go to Hollywood and let's uh, sign up to be like an old married couple that you have to hire us together Mm -hmm. to act together. And it's fine because like the old married couples never never kiss. Yeah, you just you just have to hold their hand and like pat their hand. Yeah, maybe a hug. It'd be nice. Because, like, I feel like I already give off wholesome, adorable, cute vibes and just Mm -hmm. age that to, you know, 50, 60. Then I'm just going to be the sweet old man. You would be such a good, sweet old neighbor taking care of his lawn, walking the dog old neighbor, putting, uh, rinsing out his gutters old neighbor. Oh, (laughs) that's such your archetype. The best part about that is you just described like three things that I hate doing. (laughs) It's just a testament to your ability as an actor. Right? I'm just, I'm a method actor. You're a met. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I've taken on this personality just for this. This is fun. I like this game. I, I like this idea of thinking about a different job that if it wasn't art, if I couldn't fail, what would it be? I've never been musically inclined, but I do like music a lot. And I feel like, no, I wouldn't be good at music. I have no rhythm. Let's be real, Andrew. You can write music. You don't. Not, but you couldn't fail. Remember? That's true. I couldn't fail. You would magically be good at rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like music would be a thing that if if I was, if I'd gotten into it younger and if I couldn't fail, definitely. And I'd make some fun, like dubstepy like sounds like the beginning of an anime music that's it if andrew couldn't fail he would become the number one musician artist who creates anime opening music yes dude for, for I, shonen manimes manimes he's the <laughs> manime musician I'm Beth, and you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denic Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an Office Depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denic, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life, because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat Notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. 
no one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay flat notebooks. They have a Smithsone binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. They're the perfect A5 size. And most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denick works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So, if you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to Denick.com. That's D-E-N-I-K. Com and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denic.com. Find your favorite thing there and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks. Back to the show. something out there that I haven't even let myself imagine because it's just so unreachable. Like I'm short. So basketball, not a thing I can do. You could be, what are those one? Is it point guard? What's the, what's the role that's like the short person that's fast? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> I don't know. Why are you asking me? Our listeners are just people. screaming at us. Our, no, all of our listeners are like, we like, also we don't, don't know. know. Sports, this is, no. Yeah, kind of our show is sports talk radio for artists, but the four artists part is like the key. (laughs) (gasps) I would revive Iron Chef Japan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, that's great. I just found out that Peacock has every episode of Iron Chef Japan in high res, as high res as exists, available for watching. Um, And so... Me and a couple buddies been watching some Iron Chef Japan, and I don't know if I've talked about it on this show or not, but I love Iron Chef Japan. I think it's my favorite TV show. It is the comfort watch of the century, and we've been learning a little bit about, like, the production of it and stuff, Um, and the guy who dubs it Mm -hmm. adds, he quote, in the dub, I needed to add some sports talk drip. Sports talk drip. And so the language of Iron Chef feels like watching uh, play-by-play commentary, high-action sports stuff. And it's like a 45-minute-long show, 50-minute-long show. It goes by in a flash. It doesn't feel like you've watched anything. All the time is gone because we're all having so much fun. Would you be the producer or would you be the person who does the commentary? I would. Oh, God. Can I be at all? I couldn't fail. What would the commentary sound like? Could you give us a... uh, no, I can't give you the commentary. I I just thought of this. They're chopping up onions. I don't think I would change it. I can't okay. change it. Bang a gong, we are on. How can we change that? It's too good. <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get an Ito down on the floor. This is so specific. If you don't watch Iron Chef Japan and you're about to listen to me talk about the show, I'm sorry. This is my Naruto. I'm about to get a Fukui-san <laughs> up in the booth who's listening and he's talking to Ito who's down on the floor going around talking to the chefs. I'm going to get Chen back. They're all still alive. All the Iron Chefs are still alive. They're like 95 years old, so it might not be the best thing to put them in a kitchen and make them fight it out. But I think... It is such a good television show that truly respects and honors the art and craft of making food. It is an incredibly expensive show to produce. America Mm. tried. They failed. Iron Chef America sucks monkey balls. We don't like it. We don't stand. I do. uh, 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 uh. 
took all of the Mario Batali episodes down because he's like a sex pest or something gross. Like, there's nothing problematic about the Japanese mm-hmm. Iron Chef show, which ran for like 300 episodes. And then the yeah. American it Iron Chef show comes like in Naruto. and is like, <laughs> me too, maybe? Ugh. Maybe there are some weird parallels between Naruto and Iron Chef and Boruto and Iron do, Chef do America. Do they have filler episodes where nothing really happens? <laughs> no, they don't actually. Then they they do not overlap because Naruto is plagued by filler episodes where nothing happens. Iron Chef doesn't have even one filler episode. Every episode is good. I stand by it and I miss it. I miss television that is unironic. <gasps> Yay! Remember last episode when I was talking? I'm on a roll, dude. Remember last episode when I was talking about the dichotomy yeah. between like irony and sincerity? Yeah. Iron Chef Japan. If you just just go and watch, just pick one episode, just a one, Ichi. And you'll understand what I mean about this kind of miraculous thing that exists that like really takes itself seriously and honors um the integrity of what these these artists are doing mm-hmm. whilst also having a lot of fun with it. It's yeah. also playful and jazzy. Um, they play up the characters, but never is it done with a mean spirit. Never mm-hmm. is it done with irony or with like a wink at the audience. It's a little bit camp, but it mostly like respects what it is and doesn't make fun of what it's doing, even though what it's doing is pretty silly. Because the whole premise, welcome to the show. It's Iron Chef Japan. The premise is that there is a chairman. He is like the emperor of food. And mm-hmm. he owns a castle, and within it, there's Kitchen Stadium, which mm-hmm. is a uh, an arena, a giant arena that is outfitted with every food thing that you could need to have a fucking battle. And every episode, a chef from the world comes and challenges one of the three slash four Iron Chefs that are in his like staff. And yeah. so, like the the, and it's not scripted, and like nothing's prepared. The challenger comes into the stadium and the chairman talks to him and he introduces like there's a whole backstory thing about the challenger. Uh, And then once the challenger's in there, the chairman's like, hey, here are my three iron chefs. Choose one of them to battle. And from the earth, from below the ground to choir, three men rise up. One iron chef Japan, one Iron Chef Chinese, one Iron Chef French. From the earth with like smoke machines going on, they arise and then the challenger picks one of the three to do battle with. The other two go back into the fucking basement where they live, I guess. And (laughs) I just imagine them just like just in this tiny little like square room just waiting to be picked to be a challenger. They're like Pokeballs. Come out of their Pokeballs. And it really feels like that because each one represents like an element like Iron Chef Japan is water and Iron Chef Chinese is fire Um, and Iron Chef French. I haven't seen in a minute, but I think he's the other one. Earth. He's earth. He's rocks. He might be lightning or Italians lightning. Italians weird. Uh, There is an Iron Chef Italian who like every once in a while shows up. And whenever Mm -hmm. he rises up out of the ground, an entire orchestra comes up with him playing. Damn. And it's not pre-recorded. They're there. They're all there, ready to go. It's amazing. Yeah. I've spent way too long talking about Iron Chef Japan, but um, I feel strongly about it. And if it couldn't fail, I would make it again. Ooh. If I couldn't fail, I would make a Pokemon game where you started in Kanto and you went through all the fucking regions. 
and you would allow people to play each other online as mm-hmm. if like a big MMORPG Pokemon game. Can we get that, please? Yeah. We've that all wanted it. We've all wanted it since the first game came out. It would out. just be like in Destiny when you could like go around from world to world and you would just see other people who are playing the game doing yeah. missions and on the planet and you just be like, yo, I challenge you to a Pokemon battle. Let's go. That rules. And then you could tell based on their like cool jackets or whatever how strong they are. So you're not going to fight against all of the big powerful guys who have like 18 Charizards at level 50, 57 because yeah. you have like a Poliwag who you're training up. I want a Wooper. And they'll just get annihilated. Whoopers are good. <laughs> Whoopers are a very good Pokemon. <laughs> They're so fun. Such a good design. Do we have any art couldn't fail stuff to bring it back around to our whole premise? I would make an animation. I <gasps> loved animation. Um, and I feel like it's an appreciation that's only grown since college. So I'm no longer in that, you know, world where it's easy to pick up and learn. Like, I talked about this last episode and how I am in a rhythm now where I kind of have to do what I know how to do and what I'm good at doing. And I don't feel like I have a ton of time to play around and experiment and make weird shit. Ooh, okay. And I feel like if I did have time, I would try to learn animation because one of my favorite things to draw inspiration from is stuff like Naruto and other animes and shonen series where they have really cool fight scenes. Um, the compositions that they use, the energy effects that they use. I love the designs of like stuff breaking and it's just like, we're just going to make it cubes because it's easy and it makes sense. <laughs> like stuff like that. It just, I love it so much and I would do that if I could. I didn't know you had such an interest. Okay. Yeah. Like, e- even even seeing um, when the Hades game was about to come out, yeah. the trailer for that, I, like, watched it and it was, ah, it's, it's what I would do if I could animate. I want so to good. do that. There's always the option. I know this isn't the fun gameplay part, but now that I'm excited about this thing, um, you could collaborate. You could be the creative director who uh, comes up with like the concept work. Yeah. And so you design what this thing's going to look like and you work with a team of artists who animate it ultimately. You know, the graphic novel I'm working on, there is one little like tiny little glimmer of hope that's like, maybe this will serve as my portfolio piece to be like a storyboard artist or like a concept person for like a cool animation. Well, you're talking to an animator. Baby, let's talk. (laughs) What do I want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do, what do, you wanna do Beth? What well, do you last episode, do? you did say you wanted to have like a million YouTube subscribers. Hey, but that was a fake thing. That was like my big dumb ego talking. Remember? And I, I couched that. I was like, guys, don't listen to this bitch. This bitch wants things for the sake of wanting things. But it's not what the heart wants, right? Okay. It's like it's chasing... It's chasing the numbers for the pleasure. I talked to my therapist about this. Okay, let's... This is fucking Matrix Revelations with Beth. The cool book of the Bible? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the cool book of the Bible. Beth's Bible. (laughs) I was talking to my therapist about why why I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I, I, I started cracking it, which was really exciting. So me, I've talked about on this podcast that I have this thing with vulnerability and wanting to be vulnerable with people, but not really having strong trust with that. Um, and so I protect myself in different ways. And one of those ways is by seeking validation through achievement mm. and being recognized for that achievement. You heard me earlier be like, have you ever had somebody say, wow, you're such a good singer when you sang for them? It feels so good. That's me getting kind of like what the soul wants through mm. performing, through yeah. uh, making something that people respond to versus just connecting with people, which will give mm. you the same stuff. But for whatever reason, I've blocked that part of me off in the rejection of the potential of pain. Yeah. So if I don't have close personal relationships with people, then I won't put myself in a position where I can be betrayed. And so me striving for that number, striving for money, striving for capital S success, as is defined by like power, wealth, and status, mm -hmm. is trying to fill that void of desiring deep human connections with people. But it's a mimicry of that. It's not really what that deep human connection is. Yeah. So when I try to think of if I couldn't fail, what would I do? I don't think, like, curiously, I don't think about, oh, I would do something that would result in me getting a million followers on YouTube. Yeah. Instead, I'm, like, really asking myself about my heart stuff. And it's hard to answer with art because so often the artwork that I have made throughout my life has been to appease a boss. Mm -hmm. And to get that, oh, good job. This is exactly what I wanted. You're a mind reader, Beth. You're so good. All of a sudden, this thing that I had in my head, it exists on paper. And you're the birth mother of it. And I'm like, yes, a real baby. But it's not a real baby, actually. Real baby, very scary. Real baby, potential for pain. Art baby, all pleasure. Why do I feel empty? Hmm. That's what's happening. Yeah. And so I don't know how to answer that question. Seriously. But we, we said we were going to have a goof episode. Not goof episode. Oops. It's been a goof episode and that's okay. There's part of me too as an artist that I, I occasionally wonder how much simpler and more true to myself my art would be if I didn't have any inkling of social media and the outside world to please and capitalism. It makes you ask yourself, why am I doing this? Doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm having a bit of a internal crisis in that it's so fun to talk about um, performing and getting on stages and being an old babe actress and all that stuff. Um, but then when I'm asked, Hey, art stuff, what do you want to do if you can't fail when it comes to art stuff? I go blank and I'm like, uh oh, does that mean that I shouldn't be doing this? Too late, Beth. You've been committed to this for uh, over a decade. You can't just back out now, although you can if you want to. Yeah. But I like it. Like, I don't want to. Yeah. I just don't really know how to. Uh, there's a big, there's a big hole. There's a big gappy yeah. hole where I am right now and where I, I know I can be mm -hmm. with my own relationship with my work. I just don't know how to get over there. I don't know how to plan for the future with my artwork in a way that is satisfying and serves what I want because I don't really know what I want. Mm -hmm. 
because I haven't done the work to sit down and ask myself what I want because it's hard it's so hard to get myself to sit down and do the thing yeah it's it is tricky like I I feel like even earlier this week after we recorded last week I've been thinking a lot about things and one question that's come up is like I wonder how much of the things that I want or think I want are true to what I do actually want and what mm-hmm. like I've been conditioned to quote unquote want. Mm-hmm. Yep. I am coming to terms with that. I do like work. Mm-hmm. I had a, a long spell there where I was like, Oh my God, the idea of a dream job is fucked up. We shouldn't dream of labor. We shouldn't mm-hmm. dream of work. And then I had to be like, okay, that sent me into a, a crisis spiral that I'm not really coming out of. And I think maybe the reason is that I do genuinely enjoy doing the work that I do. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe being a server at a Wendy's isn't the thing that is going to spark joy in my heart. But illustrating, animating, storytelling, entertaining, I love doing that stuff. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so me, Beth, I do like work. And yeah. I do dream of work. Yeah. Because of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because I've been talking to somebody a lot recently and they'll message me at like 9 p.m. or 9, you know, or like 10 or even sometimes a little later. And they'll just be like, oh, what are you doing right now? And I'm like, oh, I'm working on, you know, my own stuff. And they're like, wow, you work a lot. And I was like, oh, I don't mind it. Like Mm -hmm. working on my thing. Like I'm doing this pin design that I want to make. I'm trying to think of like new projects and stuff for myself with my own personal work. And so like, that's really fun and engaging. And I just, I wonder if to somebody else who has a more traditional job, if they look at me like I'm insane because they're like, they clock out and they're like, I'm going to go play video games and get, you know, to have my cocktail. And then I'm like, Oh, I'm staying up late and I'm just drawing all night long. Yeah, I think about that a lot because I look at my husband. Um, My husband is an editor. Mm -hmm. And he needs a day off. He needs nothing to do. And I don't, I really enjoy being a quote unquote workaholic. And it's, it's, like I said, if it was a different career path, then perhaps I would also need a day off and stuff. But when I have free time, I want to draw. When I have free time, I want to come up with ideas and think about these things and play in these spaces. And I take breaks and I play video games, obviously. Um, (laughs) What? You like video games? No way. You haven't talked about that (laughs) in so long. (laughs) I'll binge me a couple Iron Chef Japan episodes. But uh, (laughs) at the end of the day, if I have nothing to do on a Saturday... I'm like, let's go and record a podcast. Let's mm-hmm. go and make something. Let's, it's, it's fun. I also wonder if as an artist, like part of our, the thing that drives us is making art that surprises ourselves. Huh. Because you've probably had this experience where you make a piece and you, you, you have this idea and you start working on it. And by the time you finish it, you're like, fuck yeah, I'm, I'm fucking great. Like, look at this fucking cool shit. It's fucking it's dope. And then you just want to like show it to people. And yeah. it's like the next piece you do, you're like, God, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a roller coaster ride. Cause in the middle of any piece, it's garbage. In the middle of any piece, I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah, it I all goes through this? the puberty stage. 
Yes, the it ugly does. puberty stage. Your little art baby going to grow up in into acne. a big, beautiful art adult. Yeah. But it's got to go through that puberty stage. And sometimes it goes through a transition where it has a second puberty. And you're like, whoa, no. All the mistakes. I made so many mistakes leading up to this moment. And now I, I, I need to correct this. I thought I was through this. <laughs> sometimes you get close to the very end of a piece and you got a late bloomer. And then suddenly it's poof, beautiful. Yep. That's a fun way to think about it. Why didn't I think of that? <gasps> it never fails that each week we <laughs> see someone do something creative that makes us say, why didn't I think of that? So before we move on with the show, let's applaud those who did it first. Yes, let's. Andrew, who are you an admiring of? Uh, so mine came in the form of a Twitter post shared on Instagram that I saw today. And it reads, why are crabs and lobsters the same thing, except one is folded hot dog style and the other is folded hamburger style? Oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. okay. And my brain went, yes, this all makes sense. Everything. Quickly Googling hot dog, hamburger, lobster crab. <laughs> it made me think of what you said last episode where you were talking about how everything is being like we live in a meme culture where yes. we talk sometimes and people are like, what the fuck did you just say? And this makes me think of that because anybody who is our age who went to, you know, elementary school, at least in the United States, I can speak for, um, mm -hmm. learned folding paper hot dog style or hamburger style. And reading this Tweet is just like, yes, that makes sense. Crabs, lobsters, same thing. Just folded long ways versus short ways. I love it. Did you also know that crabs are inevitable? Have we talked about this before? They are. They're <laughs> <laughs> I am inevitable. There are Thanos got, a lot of different competition. evolutionary strains that started in one place and evolved to become a crab. If an organism is allowed to evolve for a period of time, it will eventually become a crab. I mean, that sounds kind of cool. It's I want to be so like... cool. It's like why I have a little crab tattoo. That's how cool it is. <laughs> Although pincers would be complicated. Pincers probably have a lot of but different like, uses. But, Grab your but food, the, hold the your cups. Outer shell, great. Yeah, can't hurt the inside part. Exterior skeleton protecting well, you, all you the skin hurt on the, the inside, inside part. With, 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 you can hurt my emotions. It's not the physical inside part. Do you think crabs have emotions? Have we evolved to become crab in order to eliminate thine emotion? <laughs> <laughs> and therefore, the only pain one can experience is a spear through the butthole. Then, what kind of art do we produce if we can't experience emotion, Beth? Big questions coming out of your art friends today. If you're a crab and you make art, what does that look like? I love Is it binary? This show. Are crabs just machines? Uh. Upon Googling hot dog, hamburger, lobster crab, I mostly just get um, examples of hot dogs and hamburgers that have crab meat or lobster meat on them. I have not seen anybody do a little illustration of what you have proposed. So I'm over here being like, 
free reign. Go yeah. for it. Draw yourself a hot dog lobster. I think the cool version of this would be to print on a piece of paper, print it out so that when you fold it, either hot dog style, it becomes a lobster, or if you fold it hamburger style, it becomes a crab. We shouldn't call it a butterfly. We should call it crabbing. Crabbing, yeah. All right, I did a little Googling. Why Mm -hmm. everything eventually becomes a crab. Why? The joke is that everything will eventually look like a crab, and it comes from an actual truth. The crab shape has evolved so many times that scientists had to come up with a special term for it. Carcinization. Hmm. But, however, this article does say that humans probably will never evolve into crabs. But within the crustacean family, wow, it has happened killing my hopes many, and many, dreams. many times. I mean, never say never. Dreams. There's a lot of time in the future to be doing That's stuff true. with our bodies. It's true. And us human beings, it's not about the science of uh, what should we do, but what can we do? And we can probably turn ourselves into crabs. Jurassic Park has taught us that. Uh-huh. There's also street sharks. It's kind of like that. Why not street crabs? Well, my, why didn't I think of that? Have you heard of the comic artist Alec Robbins? No. This makes sense because you're a good boy. You're a good sweet boy who um, doesn't engage with horny cartoons the way that perhaps some of us do. But Alec Robbins is a comedy writer and artist who created a incredible series of comics called Mr. Boop. Yeah. Where he's married to the cartoon character Betty Boop. I recommend reading the whole thing. It's very, very good. However, he has just come out with a new comic series called Crime Hot. (laughs) And Crime Hot, I'm just going to read you uh, the first sort of introduction of Crime Hot. Yes, please. And it's just going to be the speech bubs. You can't look at the pictures because this is an audio podcast. But are you ready? What? Before you jump into this, depending on where this goes, because in my head I'm thinking... If it's, like, anything related to, like, true crime or, like, crime in general, it'd be really funny to to edit in, like, a vaguely law and order sounding music over top of what you're about to read. I'm going to keep all of this in, and now I'm going to read it, and you let me know after we're done if you think this is a good idea. I love that this is probably going to be so bad. Why, yes, I do think it's impressive that I'm the greatest thief in the galaxy. That's not subjective, by the way. It's just true. Sorry. I just definitely am the greatest thief in the galaxy. Would I go so far as to say I'm also the greatest thief in all of history? Yes, of course. I'm the greatest thief in the whole galaxy and also the greatest thief in all recorded history. That's just what I am. I already said I was those things, so just pay attention and trust me. That's my secret. Well, okay, first, I'm extremely hot, so I can trick everyone. And secondly, I'm clever and smart and talented and really quick and acrobatic and agile. To describe myself, I would say I'm lithe and agile for sure. But thirdly, and this one is the one that everyone gets hung up on, I'm a shapeshifter. This comic is... (laughs) (laughs) It definitely has more of uh, Ferris Bueller energy than Law and Order energy. It's the best thing. It's the best thing in the world. It's comedy is like so youthful. So yeah. like a kid wrote this, mm-hmm. but it's an adult man who's clever and funny. Yeah. And like knows what he's doing. The drawings are like pretty crude, um, but they're really expressive. Yeah. And I just, I just admire his freedom to 
make things so freely yeah. and draw things that don't need to be perfect. And uh, I love it. Also, the fucking cover of this limited edition Mr. Boop hardcover anthology of all of his comics has a quote from Tim Robertson of I Think You Should Leave fame. And it says, one of my favorite things, I will read this over and over. And if you are like me, Tim Robertson finding something funny is uh, one of the greatest compliments that can be bestowed upon your comedy thing. Yeah, the second chapter is called It's Fine to Be Very Horny in the Middle of a Heist. Good words to live by. I'm going to just go ahead and put that on the Twitter. You guys can read a little bit of Crime Hot. (laughs) And if it's up your alley, then great. If you're a child, don't read it. It's got boobs. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew. Can I tell you about color? What you got? I got something related to our last week's episode, actually. And it popped up on Twitter right before uh, we sat down to record. So it was perfect timing. Um, And it was talking about millennial pink and Gen Z yellow. But it was bouncing off of this idea that uh, Pantone and other trend agencies like WGSN pick colors for like the year. Um, huh. I knew about millennial pink, but Gen Z yellow, this is the first I've heard of this. Yes. Yeah, Weirdly our colors. Right. I'm like, oh, look at us being on trend. This is the age of your art friends. <laughs> um, oh, it's Snapchat yellow, isn't it? Yeah, it's very bright yellow. Um, but I was looking at it and it was funny because they were talking about, you know, Pantone's Very Perry, and then WGSN what? put out their color for the year, which I personally prefer, called Orchid Pink. And it is, quote, a intense magenta that captures the appetite for joy and positivity. <laughs> I, I, God, it's so sick. I like it so much. I made fun of it last episode because of, you have to, but also I respect how how intensely described these colors are being. Yeah. But also, <laughs> Jesus. It's one of those things where you read it and you're just like, yeah, that's cool and all, but I prefer this like fart joke over here. <laughs> it's just pink. It's magenta. Yeah. An yeah. intense magenta that captures the appetite for joy and positivity. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And and they also made the um made the case that they theorized that millennial pink is just morphing into a more vibrant uh saturated pink. AKA orchid pink. I have seen some theory about how our last 2 years of just, you know, morose ineptitude. Yeah. is causing a desire for like both a connection to nature and also color. Yeah. Because we've all just been inside of our little white boxes. What? I can't relate to that at all. So I'm all for an intense an intense bloom. Yeah. Um, part of the article I was reading um, talked about why millennials picked pink and why it was a very, you know, popular color amongst millennials. Can Do you have any guess why? Um... The ironic appropriation of pink 
within the a male dominated culture. Um, millennials like to be a little scampy surprise folk. So pink is a surprising color to co-opt. And I also will say rose gold was invented and it is pretty pink. It's like a technological, uh, we're taking technology and we're bringing it towards something other than silver or black. Yeah. Well, you you pretty much nailed it. Um, Yeah? Oh, cool. Because the real tipping point for the color's popularity is its gender blur. According to vice president of the Pantone Color Institute, pink and blue emerged as gender markers in advertisement campaigns for things like toys in the 50s. In the 2010s, millennials challenged traditional color associations. Yep. So pink took on a genderless meaning. We've all heard people be like, well, back in the day, pink was a man's color. I've said it. I've said it. I'm I'm people. We're all people. I've said it too. Yeah. I can get tired of it, but it's only because it came out of my own mouth. Yeah. And um, Gen Z Yellow, I was looking into that. That came about more in 2017 um, as a re- quote unquote replacement to Millennial Pink. But I offered the rebuttal why can't we just coexist? Can't we just have Millennial Pink and Gen Z Yellow in the same place? Why not do both? It's it's like our look look at our logo. Our logo is the fusion, the baby. Mm-hmm. Look of at the, the two. new Matrix movie. It's not binary anymore, baby. We're all mixing together. We got different problems now. Calm down about the who the color is number one color. Yeah. That's the but sentence you're saying. I said calm down about it. <laughs> calm down. Uh, but that yellow, it kind of is a symbol of sunshine, warmth, and optimism, and it reflects a generation with hope for the future. It's a light for Gen Z who fears repeating millennials' money problems as they entered a job market blighted by the pandemic recession. Blighted! Yeah. Blighted. I'm sorry, guys. Yes. We didn't do this. But hey, learn from our example, I guess. <laughs> what do you learn? We're victims. Yeah. Get a brokerage account. Yeah. <laughs> with either E-Trade or Fidelity. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. That's what you can learn from us. Start investing in a Roth IRA now. It's not that much. You'll you'll regret not doing it. And then make sure to invest that Roth IRA in something early. Otherwise, you'll miss out on growth potential now. And I'm done. <laughs> um. But yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And I also like to imagine there's this make-believe beef between Pantone's Color Institute and WGSN. And they picked different colors in spite of each other. So you heard it here first. There's a beef. There's a beef between them. I'm team WGSM. WGSM stands for what goddamn son of a man... Colors are something else, huh? Yep, that's that's the acronym. Because <laughs> they picked better colors than very berry. Yeah. Thanks, everybody who's come into my stream and harassed me about that color, by the way. Oh, really? That you. happened? Yeah. <laughs> I love I'm that. I'm painting on my stream and people are like, you should use very berry, Beth. And I was like, ban, ban them. It's very berry, Beth. Ugh. Is that, is it, you just keep getting like, these these fun little like nicknames and things that that the listeners come over to your stream and tease you about. And Would so like far that? for me, they just show up at cons and they're like, "Hey, I listen to the show. I love it." Oh, oh, it sucks <laughs> to be you. Or, 
Are you, what would you want? What do you want? Wait, what are you trying to say? I'm so confused. Do you want to be harassed? I mean, maybe. Or are a you rubbing bit. this in my it's face? Because kind of the tone that you took was like, I wish I had nicknames, but then you were like, all people do when it comes to me are uh, love my art and compliment <laughs> that I do a cool thing. Truth be told, I didn't really know where I was going with that. <laughs> I think I started off with one intention and then realized halfway through that I was like, oh no, I don't really want to be teased. Commit. I'm a Gemini. I don't know what I want. <laughs> do you have an artist you want to share this week? I do. Their name is Eeyore Pasternak. Whoa. Uh, they're a German artist. And their work, the best way to describe this is if you took rainbow scratch paper and you decided that you wanted to be the absolute master of rainbow scratch paper. <laughs> Yeah, this is some like black light cyberpunk. Yeah, I love it. Color to the max. It's so cool. And it also has this really painterly, wispy, textural effect to it that I aspire to achieve. Tweet at us at your art friends, just like Court and Crafts did. They did a piece of fan art depicting Roy G and Biv that blew Andrew and I both away. They say, I blame at your art friends for filling my brain with the color goddesses Roy G and Biv. Draped in tint, tone, and shade on a toned gray background, I couldn't know rest until I drew them. And it's it's good, man. As it's like a Zelda so fanatic, I'm looking at this Triforce of Color over here. Right. They're sapphic, colorful, lovely figures. I'm. I also I didn't just... know this is a thing that I wanted until it, right. it was here. I love the draped in tint, tone, and shade. Like, oh, color terms, but used to talk about the clothing for these characters. Delicious. I had not ever thought about what Roy G and Biv looked like, so. I, I don't think I can imagine anything but these now. I want to draw them now based on how Court drew them. Right. You can also email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. I'm Beth Burad. Link in the description for what I'm into. Feet. And I think at the end of January, I'll have an idea of like what the next year is going to look like. Because there's a couple big projects that I want to commit to. And I want to tell you about them once I start making them. And I'm Schmander Art. And you can find me at the link in the description as well. Did you open your shop yet? Before the end of January, I will be opening up my shop again for my Patreon pin club members so that they can go ahead and pre-order their pin before it gets here in February because uh, due to pandemic delays, it's going to take longer to get the pins than I had planned. But the pin is designed. So if you are a collector of pins and you want to join a really cool pin club and get a picture of Cadence wearing the pin, go sign up. It's awesome. The new pin is really cool and I'm really excited about it. It really is. I got a sneak peek of it. And yeah. two thumbs up from Beth. Those are how many thumbs you do have. I'd give you more, but I'm not. I came out with the 10. <laughs> Fingers. Only two thumbs. And with that, we've come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious, and sometimes it was just tomfoolery. Shout out to famed 16th century court jester Tom Fool. But that's just what you get when two friends who met because of a shared love of making things and a bare ass hang out together. That's us. See ya!
Your Art Friends is a Moorpark Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 